This is Cardinal Francis George. I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Word on Fire Catholic Ministries is a nonprofit ministry at the forefront of Catholic evangelization, using new media to spread the faith on every continent. Father Barron challenges us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The global benefactors of Word on Fire, with the support of the Archdiocese of Chicago, now present Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, for this third Sunday of Easter, we have one of the most magnificent passages in the New Testament. It comes from the 21st chapter of the Gospel of John. And whenever you're dealing with the Gospel of John, you're dealing with a literary masterpiece, because John was not only a spiritual genius, he was a literary genius as well. And we see now in this story, in many ways, the whole life of the church, if we know how to decipher it symbolically. So we're in the period after the resurrection. We hear this. At that time, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. He revealed himself in this way. Together were Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel from Canaan and Galilee, Zebedee's sons, and two others of his disciples. So right away now we have to pause. Whenever you find the disciples in a boat with Peter, you're dealing with the church. So that symbol is used up and down the Gospels. John uses it very clearly here. So it's about the church in those earliest of days, yes, but also it's about the church up and down the ages to our present day. So right away, we're meant to say, to understand that this story is not just about a long, long time ago. It's about us right now. Then we hear, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said, we'll also come with you. Well, (laughs) there it is. There's the life of the church. Peter's job is to go fishing. Come, I'll make you fishers of men. The disciples, his brothers, and their successors down through the ages to the present day, have the fundamental task of fishing. Fishing for souls. Fishing to draw people now into the life of the church. It's wonderful, as I'm recording these words, we're just in the the wake of the election of Pope Francis. So Peter has been very much on our minds as the successor to Peter has just been selected. I was over there. I had the great privilege of um, doing some commentary for NBC News, and we were up just above the uh, Bernini colonnade. And the symbolism of that colonnade, you know, is very powerful. It's like two great arms reaching out, and it gathers in the world. And you can see it. That night I saw it as the people streamed into that piazza. It's as though those arms were gathering them in. Well, that's the life of the church up and down the ages, fishing for souls. So they went out and got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Well, so it goes. And we saw it in the Synoptic Gospels too, that great story of of the the, uh, fishing expedition that produces nothing. We've been hard at it all night long and have caught nothing, the disciples say. So it always goes when the church is operating on its own terms, according to its own lights, its own mind, our own efforts, we will catch nothing. The church could you know, devolve into something that's not supposed to be, start engaging activities it's not supposed to engage in. The church's task is to gather in the nations 
always under the direction of the Lord. Then we hear, when it was already dawn, Jesus was standing on the shore, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. Wonderful symbolism, of course, in John, light, light. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. When Judas goes out, it says, it was night. Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. The night's always a symbol of someone who's, who's lost or confused. Jesus is the light of the world. And so here we hear it is dawn, and Jesus is standing on the shore. So there's the light of the world. The disciples didn't realize it was Jesus. At the time, I think it's because the resurrected Jesus was typically hard to recognize. You hear that in a lot of the stories. There are different reasons for that. But I think we read it now symbolically up and down the ages. It's often difficult to recognize the Lord. Often it's the great mystics who understand what the Lord is doing and what the Lord's up to. Oh yeah, that, that's the Lord. See, but, but we often don't recognize him. So it goes. He said to them, children, have you caught anything to eat? They answered him, no. So he said to them, cast the net over the right side of the boat and you will find something. So they cast it, and they were not able to pull it in because of the number of fish. So here's the key, isn't it? Jesus is the light of the world, but often unrecognized by the church. But when they follow his direction, think of Peter, as long as he's looking at Christ, can walk across the water. So when the church follows his direction, then they pull in this great draft of fish. Here's the church doing its work under the direction of the Lord. In fact, there were so many fish, they were not able to pull it in. Now, this is wonderful at this point. So the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. Now see, John here stands for this mystical dimension of the church. Peter is office. He's the one who leads and directs and guides. Paul, you might say, represents mission or outreach. But John represents that contemplative, mystical dimension of the church up and down the ages. And see, friends, it's often the mystics who get it. Even before the leaders get it, even before the missionaries get it, the mystics understand what's happening. And so it's John who recognizes what's happening. You know what's important for us, I think, work in the church? To have this Johannine moment, when something really great is happening, when souls are being won, when souls are being gathered in, that somebody says, oh, look, that's the Lord. And we don't just say, oh, it's something we did, our clever program, what a great plan we had. But that someone like John has the vision and then the gumption to say, no, no, that's the Lord. It's extremely important, isn't it? Then this. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tucked in his garment, for he was lightly clad, and jumped into the sea. I always smile at this uh, translation because it's, um, it's way too um, sort of tidy and puritanical. The, the term in the Greek there is gymnos. It means naked. That's why a gymnasium, where people would, would exercise in the nude in the Greek world. Um, Peter was gymnos. He was naked in the boat. Now, you're a biblical person and you hear reference to someone who's naked, what comes to mind is Adam and Eve. 
our first parents who were unself-consciously naked in the presence of the Lord. It's a symbol of primal innocence, if you want. When we can stand just as we are before the Lord without shame, that's the state of innocence prior to the fall. But we know from this great telling of the gospel story that Peter is not in that stance. That rather at the moment of truth, he denied he even knew Jesus, even three times. So here's Peter now, the fallen human being. See, how, how wonderful, everybody. Here's the leader of the church. Back in those days, and now his successor today. Even the great leader of the church is a forgiven sinner. All of us are like Peter, forgiven sinners. So he was naked, but he threw on clothes. How come? Well, Adam, after the fall, when Yahweh comes to speak to him, Adam puts on the the fig leaf. He covers himself up. Sign of his shame. And so Peter here is like a new Adam, a new um, sinful Adam, coming to meet his Lord. Then it says, the other disciples came in the boat, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred yards, dragging the net with the fish. Here's the church now, having done its work, bringing souls before the Lord, bringing souls to Christ. When they climbed out on shore, they saw a charcoal fire with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. So Simon Peter went over and dragged the net ashore full of 153 large fish. Now, no number is insignificant in the Gospel of John. John loved to play with numbers, and that was typical both of the ancient world in general, but especially um, Jewish authors. Because as you know, every, every letter in Hebrew corresponds to a number and vice versa. So they often play with uh, numbers and letters. So what does 153 mean? Well, people have speculated in different ways. I, I find the most convincing explanation that in the ancient world, they thought there were 153 species of fish. We know, of course, say there are infinitely more than that. But um, the point remains, the church is meant to draw everybody in. The great net of the church, this great outreach is meant to include everybody. And so the church brings it ashore. And what do they bring the souls to? It's very important, isn't it? What's Jesus doing? He's doing what he typically does. He gathers people for a meal. Saints and sinners, yes. Insiders and outsiders, yes. The good, the bad, the ugly, yep. Open table fellowship was the mark of Jesus' ministry. And he's preparing this breakfast that involves fish and bread. Now, whenever the Lord is hosting a meal involving bread, Christian people have to think of the Eucharist. The church brings ashore all the species of fish, meaning everybody in the world. They bring them ashore to Christ, and Christ prepares for them what? A banquet, but not just any old banquet. We know now from the code of this text, 
the Eucharistic banquet of his body and blood. This is why, you know, we can look at it very eschatologically, the church now bringing all souls to the great heavenly banquet at the end of time, and that's true. But think of it now in a more proximate way. The church now reaches out and brings in souls to bring them precisely to the Eucharistic banquet. Listen now. Jesus came over and took the bread and gave it to them. This was the third time Jesus was revealed to his disciples after being raised from the dead. Jesus taking bread and giving it to them as the host of a great meal. That's the Eucharist. Friends, spend a little time today with this 21st chapter of John's Gospel, and specifically with this story, which tells not just of an ancient encounter, but once we decipher the symbolism of the story, it's telling about our encounter even now with that same Christ. Yes, often unrecognized, but in fact the light of the world, in fact the one who properly guides and governs the work of the church the one who draws us into his great Eucharistic banquet. This is the story of a long time ago. It's also very much our story as an Easter church. And may God bless you. I hope you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George, and I pray that God will bless you and those you love. Four years in the making, and it's finally here. Our new Catholicism documentary series, book, and study program are now available to order online at catholicismseries.com. Will you help me introduce this epic film series to your parish, school, family, and friends? Catholicism is an unprecedented adventure around the world and deep into the faith. Learn more at catholicismseries.com or call 1-866-928-1237. That's 1-866-928-1237.